was a dark and stormy night, the kind that grips you with fright, cause the raging wind is howling like a beast, and the rain pounds without cease. In the darkness I stood alone, with nothing but my thoughts to roam, as lightning flashed across the sky, illuminating fears that I felt and I could not deny. In the middle of the storm's fierce might, I felt a stirring, an urge to take flight, escape the night, and leave behind what held me tight, and chase my dreams and win the fight. But the winds and rain clung hard to me, while I tried and tried to set myself free from the darkness, from the secrets, and from the unknown. Or could I make the storm my own? Was there a way to figure it out? Beyond a doubt, a way out. I looked about, but I couldn't see a way out. I couldn't break free. But then, a light came looking for me. It was that light that set me free from the storm that roared inside of me. He was that light, a shining light. That light who brought me hope and helped me to ignite a fire that would burn so bright and make all right my dark and stormy night. Storylines. Write good things. So have you ever heard this phrase, God will never give you more than you can handle? You know, that doesn't come from the Bible. It, it, well, that's not completely accurate, but let's take a look at the verse that we usually take that from. It shows up there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13. It says what? No temptation has overtaken you except as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. But notice the word there is temptation. And that word in Greek can be translated temptation, or it can be translated troubles, or it can be translated trials or tests. And it just depends on what the context is. But if you look at the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, this is translated correctly, no temptation. It is talking about literal temptation to sin. And so what the verse here is saying is simply, evil can't overwhelm you. Evil can't overtake you or overcome you. You can always say no to the temptation of sin. But that doesn't really talk about the rest of life when, you know, like things are coming at you and they overwhelm you. In fact, Paul says this just in the next book that he writes here in 2 Corinthians. He says, for we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, which came to us in, in Asia, talking of himself, that we were burdened beyond measure above strength, so that we despaired even of life. And so the same author is saying, yeah, there are times in your life when it can be too much for you. And Paul said, like, I thought we were going to die. He goes on there and says, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And so when we hear that phrase sometimes, it's like, you know what? We can handle it because God will give us a way out. Well, is that true or not true? The Bible doesn't really say that. It says it about temptation. It doesn't say it about everything else. I mean, this was opposition, so a different reason to be overwhelmed. But we have all of these different things in life that overwhelm us. 
In fact, you've probably been overwhelmed, and we just heard that 93% of mothers have been overwhelmed. But it could be different things. Sometimes, you know, if you're a student, you're overwhelmed with your schoolwork, and uh, you get to the end of the semester. Right now, you have like 20 projects due, and you have, you know, papers to write, and you have tests to take. And then you, of course, have a group project where some member of your group is not functioning whatsoever, and you're just overwhelmed with what you have coming at you. Sometimes you get overwhelmed at work. Like there's a person who just quit or resigned or got fired. They haven't hired anybody in his his place yet. And they just keep walking in and dumping files on your desk. And you're wondering, are they ever going to hire somebody else? And it doesn't look like they are. And you're just overwhelmed with the amount of work that you have. You can get overwhelmed with bills. You can get overwhelmed with deadlines. You can get overwhelmed with expectations. You can get overwhelmed with problems that you can't figure out. Sometimes that's where we are in life is like I've got all this stuff coming up and I cannot sort it through and I can't get it figured out. And, and if it would just stop and give me two seconds to think, that would be really helpful, but that's not happening. And we could get overwhelmed with problems. Or how about decisions? You ever had this problem? You know, you've had this thing where, where you stand in your closet and you can't decide whether to wear the, the blue shirt or the black shirt. And like it doesn't even matter. But you've dealt with so many decisions in your life in the last week or month or whatever like that. It's like, I don't think I can make another decision. And we get overwhelmed with things in life, the things that are going on around us. And if you're a mother, chances are you have felt overwhelmed at some point in your life. But if we took that and expanded it, the question is, when have you felt overwhelmed? Or what are the ways that you feel overwhelmed? And what does it even mean? To be overwhelmed or to feel overwhelmed. And I think we could say it this way, explain it this way. Overwhelm, and I'm using that as a noun, it's not technically a noun. But overwhelm is that feeling that we get when the demands that we are facing exceed the resources or the capabilities that we possess. So it's the feeling that we get when the demands that we are facing exceed our resources or our capabilities. It's actually when we get to that place in life where we're just like, there's no way. All right? That's all I can handle. I can't take anymore. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's past here. It's past here. And the weight feels greater than the strength that you have to bear it. And we're like, I can't keep carrying this thing. And being overwhelmed can be, for sure, a dark and stormy night. But there's a ray of hope in what Paul says there in verse number 9. He says what? He said that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who does what? Who raises the dead, and God gives us hope. And so we're going to look at a story here today that hopefully will give you some help and some encouragement when it comes to this idea of feeling overwhelmed. It's a miracle. In fact, it's the only miracle of Jesus that shows up in all four Gospels. And some of you may know what that is then. It's the feeding of the 5,000. And it's not really surprising that it's in the first three Gospels, but it's a little bit surprising that it shows up in the book of John. Because in John, John likes to pick things that were not in any of the other books. And so there's seven miracles that are mentioned in the book of John. Six of them are unique to the book of John. The only one that John repeats is this miracle that shows up in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it's the feeding of the 5,000. And the question is why? Because it's not that significant of a miracle. I mean, it is because 5,000 people, I get that. But they got fed, and that's helpful. 
But I'm pretty sure that by, you know, 5 o'clock the next afternoon, they were hungry again. And there was like no big lasting impact of that miracle. And yet John says, oh, no, 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 don't, don't miss out here. It's not about the miracle. It's about the lesson that you take out of the miracle. Well, John looked at it from one aspect. Well, I want to look at what Mark says about it. So Mark chapter 6 is where we're going to be going. Because Mark has a different perspective a little bit on it. But again, it's about the lesson that we can learn from this miracle, not just the miracle itself. And so if you turn with me to John chapter 6, what's interesting here is what Mark does. I said John, I'm sorry. Mark chapter 6. What's interesting here is what Mark makes a point, I think, and John does too, that the miracle was not about feeding 5,000. It wasn't the, ben- the main beneficiaries of the miracle were not the people who ate that day. The main beneficiaries of the miracle were the disciples who were present that day. In fact, if you really look at this, it seems like Jesus did this. I mean, he, was, he cared about the people. He wanted to feed them. But the disciples seem to be the one that he's really focused on. It's like, oh, we've got a great opportunity here. These people, 5,000 of them, they're going to get a free meal out of this. But let's see what I can teach my followers here. So let's read and let's see what Jesus teaches. And we'll see what it has to do with this whole idea of feeling overwhelmed in life. So Mark chapter 6, verse number 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And so this sets the stage. What's gone on right before this is Jesus has taken his 12 disciples and he sent them out into the villages. And they're supposed to, they're supposed to preach the gospel and they're supposed to heal the sick and they're supposed to drive out demons. And this was like a, a new experience for them. And it was a little bit of a precursor of what was going to be coming on later there. But Jesus sent them out, and I'm sure that was a nervous experience. They'd never done anything like that. But they'd gone off to these villages on their missions trip, and they had just come back, and I would assume probably worn out. They were dealing with people the whole time. They were dealing, like, in this realm that they'd never done stuff before. And and so they come back, and... uh, And they come back to Jesus and they say, hey, here's everything that happened out on our trip here. Verse number 31. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and let's get some rest. And so they've come back to to Jesus to report everything that's happened. And with them, all these other people are coming. And it's just like mayhem. And Jesus is like, oh, wait, 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 time out, guys. You haven't even had a chance to eat. Come with me. Let's get away from everything here. And so let's get some rest. So what happens next? Well, verse number 32, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Ah, Sounds nice, doesn't it? Except for verse number 33. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all of the towns And got there ahead of them. Wherever it was that the disciples were going, the people figured out and literally ran around the shore and got there and were waiting for them when they got to shore. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, 
He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And so these disciples have come back from this journey. They want to tell Jesus everything that just happened. The crowds show up, and Jesus is like, okay, let's, you know, we haven't even had a chance to eat yet. Let's get in the boat. They get in the boat. They go to the other side. They get out of the boat, and it's like, you've got to be kidding me. Look at all these people again. And Jesus is not like, you know what, guys? Let's just grab a bite here. They can wait a second. Jesus is like, you know what? All right, here we go. And so Jesus decides to teach the people. Now, the question is, what did he teach them? We have no idea. Because that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is what's still coming here. So in verse number 35, it says this, By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. Think about what's been going on in their story. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat and so that we can get a little bit of a break because we've now been going for hours and hours and hours on end and we're exhausted. That may not be in your version, but that's what the idea is. They're saying, send the people away. We have had enough. We have been overwhelmed. We have reached our limits. We can't go any further. And Jesus responds in verse number 37 by saying what? Uh, you give them something to eat. I, I'm sure that was not like the most welcome news that they ever received from Jesus. They've been going, 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 giving, giving, giving. They're exhausted, they're worn out, and Jesus says, you give them something to eat, and I can only imagine how overwhelmed they must have felt. Okay, one more thing that we have to deal with here. And by the way, this one more thing that we have to deal with is like 5,000 things. Look at all these people here, they're all hungry. And you're looking at us, and you want us to feed them. You want us to do the impossible. That's overwhelming. And I think we feel overwhelmed in life when we look at something and say, oh, I can't do that. That's at least impossible for me. But John, if you look at John's account of the story, he actually says something interesting. He said that Jesus told the disciples to feed the 5,000 because he wanted to test them. And to say to test them, that doesn't mean to see how they'd handle it. It means because he wanted to teach them something. And he was setting them up, them, not necessarily the crowd, because he has something in mind that he wanted to do. So he sees this moment, and he seizes this moment, and he said, you feed them. Well, the disciples are like... Right. In fact, they respond. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and to give it to them to eat? It's kind of interesting, isn't it? It kind of fits with a lot of times where we are most overwhelmed in life. I don't have the time. You want us to feed them? Um, that would take us like, what, eight months? or six months, rather, to, to go earn enough money, I, you know, I don't think that's going to work. They're going to be really hungry by the time we earn enough money for this. And, you know, so it's the question of time, and then it's the question of money, too, right? We don't have enough to buy enough food for them. 
What's interesting here is probably most of these people came from the, uh, the villages of Bethsaida and Capernaum to, to gather here. And those villages were like two to 3,000 people. So they weren't very big towns. Like even if the whole 5,000 arrived in the village, and, you know, they were like, here, let's buy food. There wasn't enough food for all these people. And Jesus has just said, feed them. But Jesus isn't quite done setting them up. In verse number 38, he says this, how many loaves do you have, he said. Go and see. And so Jesus sends them out to look for food. And so maybe the disciples are like, oh, okay. Jesus said, well, let's go see what food we have. Well, maybe that's the answer. And so they go out. You got any food? 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 And they go and they, they ask through this crowd of 5,000 people, and they're finding nothing. And at least 11 of them came back like, I didn't find a piece of food. John tells us that Peter came back and said, here's what I got. I got five loaves and two fish. And that's not going to work. And so we see the disciples completely overwhelmed because of their inadequacy. And they find themselves in an overwhelming situation. And let's just talk about that for a minute. What our situation can look like when we feel overwhelmed. Here's the first thing. They were likely exhausted. And when you feel overwhelmed in life, typically, either that brings on exhaustion, but a lot of times it's because of physical fatigue and exhaustion that that actually comes on us. And that's just something to keep in mind. Like when you feel overwhelmed, it's like, okay, how have you been sleeping? That's really simple. But they were likely physically exhausted and worn out. They had been on the go and on the go and on the go, and they'd been in uncomfortable situations. And sometimes we find ourselves there. I remember back, oh, it's been a long time now, when, when I got a phone call from my niece, Mindy, saying, Uncle Brent, can I come talk to you and Aunt Kelly? I'm like, sure. So she arrived on my doorstep in my house and comes down. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I don't think I want to marry Ian. I'm like, Okay. I'm like, why? I don't know. <laughs> and she went on into this whole thing. And finally, I looked at her and I said, here's what I think I need to tell you, Mindy. You need some sleep, girl. And I'm like, how much have you been sleeping? She said, I haven't been. I said, okay, we were going on vacation. I was like, here, the house is yours. We're going on vacation. And I came back and she was ready to marry Ian and they've been married now for years and years, happily. The point, though, she was totally overwhelmed by a decision not the decision, it was just the fact that she was absolutely strung out physically. And I have to think that the disciples were in that same place. And if you're physically depleted, you're going to feel overwhelmed. Secondly, they had been giving without being replenished. The well was dry. The bank account had been bled dry. They were, even emotionally and mentally, they were completely broke. We have nothing left to give. At least that's how they felt. And sometimes we get to that place in life where we're overwhelmed because we have given, 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 and we haven't taken on the responsibility or the opportunity to at least feed back into ourselves. And I'm not talking about self-care here. I'm talking more about soul care. But we have to do things to be replenished. Now, they didn't really get that option, but that's what's going on there. Thirdly, they were in a situation that they had no control over. I suppose they could have walked. 
But it wasn't like Jesus was saying, hey, what do you think we should do, guys? Do you think we should uh, get in the boat? He's just like, go get in the boat. Do you think we should have, a, you know, another preaching session here today? You didn't ask him that. In fact, he said, you know what, you go ahead and eat them. And they were being, I mean, their lives were being directed, and they had no control over that. And I think so many times when we face overwhelm or being, the feeling of being overwhelmed in life, it's because we don't have any control over it. Now, sometimes, sometimes we're overwhelmed because we've overcommitted. We've all done that, right? We've said yes on like 10 different things, and we're like 10 different things on the same day. In fact, on the same hour, and you're like, how in the world am I ever going to pull this off? That wasn't the case there. And there are times in your life where you're going to be overwhelmed, and it's not going to be because you couldn't say no. It's going to be because you simply happened to be where you were. And you're going to feel that overwhelmed feeling because you can't change the situation. You don't have any control over it. Fourthly, they were given a responsibility that they didn't ask for. It wasn't like they signed up and said, hey, Jesus, there's 5,000 people out there. Do you mind if we feed them? It was Jesus like, no, you go ahead and feed them. It's like, no, no, we, <laughs> we didn't ask for that, Jesus. It's not in the job description we checked. And we get in those situations sometimes in life when we're overwhelmed by just responsibilities that come our way. Like we say, you know, at work when, when somebody quits and all of a sudden all the responsibilities dumped in your desk. You know, motherhood. There, there's a lot of that. Even as we go through life, we discover that there are responsibilities that we take on that we, that we didn't vote for. Some of you are dealing like with, with parents who are getting older. And trying to figure out all of that. It's like, I didn't sign up for this. No, you didn't. But you still have to figure it out. And we get overwhelmed sometimes by these situations that are just put on us where we have all this responsibility. And they finally get to the place where they realize that they are not adequate for the demands and the challenge of the day. You ever been there? When you realize that you are not adequate for the demands and the challenge of the day, you're not enough. Now, I walk the dog and quite a bit, and a lot of times we'll walk up by the, the middle school, in, in, uh, or excuse me, the junior high school in Clarkston, kind of by our house. And, and I remember this during COVID, they had all these little signs out to be encouraging. I don't remember who was supposed to read them because we were all in our houses and I guess if you're out walking the dog, you could read the sign. But they had these signs that were up there. And one of the song, signs that, that I think was for the kids, actually, as they went back to school, said, you are enough. Well, I don't mean to break the news to you and be too rough with you today, but you are not enough. And this is actually the point that Jesus is making with his disciples is to say, hey, you give them something to eat. And they come back and say, hey, we got a lunch. That's not going to work, is it? And she's like, no, it's not, well, not if it's you, but you're not enough. And it's okay that you are not enough. And we have used that phrase out there in the world, and I realize that people mean good by that, but the fact is that you are not enough. And there are going to be times in your life when you are simply not going to be up to the task because you're human and the task is bigger than you are. And that 
is okay. So you can stop beating yourself up, and you can stop calling yourself a failure, and you can stop saying, well, if I were just a better person, or if I were just like this person who's on Instagram or Facebook, if I were just a better mother, if I, if I were just better at my job, and we go through all these things because we're convinced that we're supposed to be something that we maybe even can't be. And that's what Jesus is doing with his disciples. He takes them to this place and says, yep, you're right, you can't feed them. I just wanted you to know that, though. And I also want you to know you're in a really good place. And they were in a great place. And maybe you are in a good place, too. They are in a great place because Jesus was there. They weren't alone in that situation. They were in a great place because they were where they were supposed to be. Jesus had put them in that situation. Sometimes, like, I didn't ask for this. It could be that Jesus has arranged your circumstances in life where you didn't ask for it, but he's like, okay, but we're going to go that way anyhow. And maybe he's directed it. Maybe he's allowed it. But it's a good place. Why? Because of what Jesus can do with that. And what happens next in this story is so incredible that I think the disciples, if you took them back and said, okay, if you had to relive this again, would you do it? Well, if you just stopped as far as we are in the story, probably not. No. Like we're exhausted. No, we're asked to do the impossible. No, this isn't going to work. But if you keep going with the story, they get to the end and say, yeah, we do that again. And so the hope is that even in our moments of when we feel overwhelmed, if we can keep going somehow, that there can be something on the other side of it that might be helpful to us. And so let's just see what happens in this story, and we're familiar with it. But verse number 39, it says this, Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And what we see here now is, I think, just some simple ideas of what we can do to handle the feelings of being overwhelmed in our life. So when Jesus says, hey, have the people sit down. Don't have them leave. Don't send them home. Have them sit down. It was the first step of action that he gave them to take. And it's simply this. Just do the next thing. Okay, We're not even going to try to feed everybody yet. We're just going to have them sit down. But a lot of times when we feel overwhelmed in life, we get ourselves in trouble because we look out there and we're like, oh, we got 5,000 people to feed. How in the world are we going to do all that? And Jesus is like, let's not focus there. Let's focus on the next thing that we need to do. We need to have them sit down. Just do the next thing. And this is such a, a, a great piece of wisdom, I think, in life from this story is just do what you know to do. You don't have to solve the problem. You just need to take a step. It was almost like an annual thing. I would, I would get this phone call from my, from my kids, and it would usually come like early April. As the semester's winding down in college, and uh, it was usually from my daughters, and there'd be tears behind it. Dad, I'm like, oh, no, what's happened? Dad, I got, I got all these papers to do, and I got this test, and I got these projects, and there's no way I can finish this. And I, I mean, it was just like, I, I probably could have put it on the calendar. And I'd say, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to do the next thing. That's it. 
And then when you finish that, do the next thing. And when you finish that, do the next thing. And so by the time that they were seniors in college, they would call me and I would say, okay, what am I going to tell you? And they would say to me, just do the next thing. And that helps us through these moments where we feel overwhelmed. You just have to take some form of action. Fight against your feelings. Step into the chaos. It's some element of, okay, here it goes. All right, guys, go ahead. Have a seat. I don't know what's going to happen next, but this is the next step that we can take there. And it says then in verse number 41, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. And it leads us to a second really practical thing is this. Use what's available to you. All they had was five loaves and two fish. So Jesus had, he gave it to Jesus. But use what's available to you. And I look at that and go, okay, my resources are never going to be sufficient for the demand that I'm facing right now. It doesn't matter. Just use what you have because there's more to this story. And when you're overwhelmed in life, a lot of times I just can't do this. I can't pull this off. I can't figure this out. Okay, what do you have available to you? How can you make use of that in the moment? Stop focusing on what you don't have or can't do. Instead, leverage what you do have and what you can do. Then thirdly, from the same verse here, look to heaven. Jesus looks to heaven. Why? Because... We need a dose of this supernatural in this situation. And I think this is the big thing. When the disciples say, I, we can't do this, Jesus is like, oh, but I can. And it's those moments when you feel overwhelmed in life and say, I can't pull that off. And God's like, yes, they get it. Look here, look here. And so Jesus looked to heaven, but that's an encouragement to all of us. Look to heaven because you're going to need some spiritual help. I already read that verse that Paul said it, though, this way. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. That's the answer. You give them something to eat. Well, actually, you can't give them something to eat. But if you'll look to God, God can give them something to eat. And God can give you something to feed them with. But it's going to come from God. And sometimes we get pushed to the point where we're overwhelmed. So God can remind us, if you know what, you're not all that, but I am. So let's do this. Look to heaven. Because Jesus is enough. Fourthly, give thanks. It's interesting to me as you look at this story when Jesus prayed, it only tells us that he gave thanks. It doesn't say like, okay, Heavenly Father, please give us enough food to feed these people. It just says he gave thanks. And I think this is a really, really interesting thing that we can grab onto here is when we give thanks, it changes our perspective in the moment. Instead of like, oh, no, I don't know if it's going to work out. I can give thanks maybe for something that's even happened in the past. Or I can give thanks for the fact that I know God is with me in this moment. But it takes my focus, all, of, all these things around me, and it puts it on God. And even as I give thanks for the things that I have, well, thanks for, give thanks for the, the, the fish that we have here. Or give thanks for the fact that we're, you know, there's 12 of us here that are trying to figure this out. Or give thanks for the opportunity that we and it, and it reminds us of the fact that it's not about us, but it, but it gives us assurance too. 
Because gratitude points us to these places where God has provided for us in the past. Okay, I'm overwhelmed in my job right now, but thank you for this job. Oh, you've provided for me. I'm, I'm overwhelmed in what's going on with my kids right now, but thank you for these kids. And, and everything that you've done up to this point to care for us. And so an attitude of gratitude gives us perspective, what? That God will provide, and it's assurance that just like he's come through in the past, he will come through again. And it's actually an expression of trust. Okay, I could get really all worked up about this, God, and instead I'm just going to express my thanks for the fact that I'm in this situation with you and that you'll provide here. And that is an expression of trust. And so Jesus gave to his disciples, it tells us, to distribute to the people, which I think is, again, just a reminder of the fact, just do the next thing. How did 12 people feed 5,000 people? One at a time. But how do, we, how do we deal with things? Whatever the next step is here. But I think this is interesting, too, that Jesus didn't actually feed the 5,000. He provided the food. That must have been a great point. <laughs> he provided the food, but it was the disciples who fed the people. And sometimes, I think there's a, a simple point in here to start with, enlist your team. And I don't know if this is a big point in this story. But Jesus could have, you know, Jesus could have just said, everybody close your eyes, everybody hold out your hands. Okay, now open them. And he could have put food in everybody's hands. What did he do? He said, here, let me give you to, this, to the disciples here. You guys want to just kill those and go with those? I'm good with that, too. We have quite the group back there right now. So, you know, enlist your team. They're all in the back at, at, the, uh, at the booth back there. But, you know, a lot of times when we're dealing with stuff in life, we have a tendency to think, I have to deal with this on my own. There might be somebody besides you who could help. You know, there were 12 disciples. Jesus didn't just send one of them out there to deal with it. He sent 12 of them out there to deal with it. And sometimes we have to look at our situation and say, hey, enlist your team here. But then this, I think, is the biggest point of, of the morning here. See yourself as a distributor. They weren't there. The disciples' job was not to feed the 5,000. The disciples' job was to distribute the food so that Jesus could feed the 5,000. And sometimes we look at the situations that are going on. Whoa. <laughs> I guess that was a bad point. I don't know. So, but you can, you can still hear me. Just don't take my mic out, okay, guys? We just need to pass on what we're given. We just need to take the strength, the resources, the abilities, the capabilities that God gives us and pass it on to the next person. It's not on us. It's on God. And we need to see ourselves as a distributor in the story. And sometimes we get overwhelmed because we think we have to figure it out. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you don't have to figure it out. You just have to be available. You know, parents, you don't have to figure out the whole parenting thing. You just got to be available for God to use you in the process of parenting. You know, if, if you're involved in some, you know, 
thing going on here at, at church, and you're like, oh, this is too much for me. You just have to be available to step into that moment there. See yourself as a distributor. You're not enough, but it doesn't matter because you don't need to be enough because it's not what you have to give. It's what God has to give. And if you get to the moment you say, I got nothing left, God's like, that's fine. I got plenty. God's never run out. And he, continue, he can continue to, to dump that into you so that you can pass that along. End of verse number 41, he says this, He also divided the two fish among them all. They ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of bread and fish. Now, there's some significance right there in 12 baskets. And there were 12 disciples. And the number who had, been eat, or who had eaten that day was 5,000. And the last point is this. Simply look for the reward. Don't rush past the moment. And I think there was an element where Jesus said, when they got all done, he's like, okay, now collect all the leftovers because we're not quite done with this story. The story is not about getting all the 5,000 fed. The story is about how I will deal with your inadequacy, how I will help you when you feel overwhelmed. And when you walk away from here, when you walked up, when we got off the boat, you had nothing in your hands. When we walk away here, you got a basket full of food in your hands. Sometimes we're like, okay, if I could just get out of this, if I could just run, if I could just go lock myself in the bathroom and put a, you know, something on the TV, I'd be okay. And Jesus is like, you don't need to run from it because if you can get through this, look at the rewards that are waiting for you on the other side. And so I would say that this morning, if you're dealing with this sense of over, being overwhelmed or maybe you've dealt with it in the past, you can look back and say, okay, what happened on the other side of it? And if you're in this moment, be encouraged by the fact that there is and there will be another side to it. Just keep going because in the process, you may see God do some incredible things. You may also see your faith grown. And really, I think this is what Jesus was after. Okay, we can get these 5,000 fed. But that's not the point of the marriage. Those weren't the, that's not the target. I got 12 guys here who can learn about me. And can be involved in something incredible. And their faith can grow in the process. So what is it that has you overwhelmed? What is it that God wants to do through you? What is it that God wants to teach you? What is it that God has in mind and has in store for you? You know, there's this crazy thing about this miracle. When did it happen? It didn't really happen when they brought back the lunch. It didn't really happen when Jesus prayed and gave thanks. It happened not when the first person got, like, when did it happen? It just happened along the way. And at the end, there's 5,000 people there going, oh, that was good. And there's 12 disciples with a basket going, wow, this is incredible. But somewhere along the way, the miracle took place. But you'd have a really hard time picking the moment. 
But that's how God gets us through these moments when we're just overwhelmed. It's not like at some point it's like, oh, there we go, we're good. It's like as we go, one thing at a time, as we look to heaven, as we give thanks, as we see ourselves, as we go, God provides and meets our needs and helps us overcome that darkness of feeling overwhelmed. Let's pray. Our heads are right, our eyes are closed. Just a couple of questions for you this morning. First of all, if, if you're feeling overwhelmed in life right now, what was it that God's word, what was it that God's spirit spoke to you that you really need to grab onto this morning? Maybe they have that conversation with God and say, okay, God, that's my thing that I need right now, that I'm going to leverage. Maybe it's just doing the next thing. I don't know. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and even church or this whole God thing or whatever is a little confusing to you. With no desire to be insulting at all, but the thing is that you're not enough. None of us is enough to figure out life, to figure out our sin problem, to figure out eternity. That's where Jesus Christ comes in. He comes in and says, I am enough. That's why he came. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he offers forgiveness for anybody who will ask him. And he says, I will be your enough if you'll invite me into your life and into your story. And you can do that where you sit today. If you have questions about that, I would love to talk to you afterwards. It's just a simple conversation between you and God. God, I know I'm not enough. Jesus, I know you came and died for my sins because I'm not enough. But I want to ask you to forgive me and come into my life. And then that's enough. So God, we take this story here so, so familiar to us. But help us to see the lesson that you were trying to teach your followers. And today we are your disciples following you again. Please help us through these moments, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have our Faith Mountain kids who are out in the lobby just ready to go. And they have got gifts, your favorite cookies, for the moms. So we're going to ask the moms to stand back up. And they'll come in. Once you get your cookie, you can sit down. And then the worship team also, we're going to be closing us out in a song here. So let me just wish you all, from the depths of my heart, a very, very happy Mother's Day to all of you. You guys are awesome. You rock. Keep on keeping on.